From the food we eat, the air we breathe, the land we dwell, to the health of our body and mind, and the well-being of all things in the universe. Unlock the science with Chula Radio Plus. Welcome to Unlock the Science. I'm Virada Salim. This is the first new episode of our second season. In this episode, we will talk about an issue most concerned to all of us in the world: How would our livelihood be beyond the COVID-19? The COVID-19 pandemic. Has devastated our entire world in 2020 and 2021, and is doomed to continue affecting all walks of life, at least in the beginning of 2022, due to its one variant after another. Officials of the World Health Organization or WHO warned in early January 2022 that the world could expect more coronavirus variants after having dealt with its variants of Alpha, Beta, Delta, and Omicron. In its course of wrecking the globe, the pandemic has changed the way we live, work, do our schooling, and do our social life. People have lost their lives, their jobs, their livelihood, and even the years they can expect to live. According to a report of National Center for Health Statistics, which is part of Centers for Disease Control and Prevention (or CDC) of the United States. The COVID-19 pandemic drove average life expectancies in the U.S. down by 1.5 years in 2020 from a year earlier, marking the largest annual decline since World War II. Americans are now expected to live an average of 77.3 years, down from 78.8 years in 2019, according to the report. It also shows that the disparity in life expectancy between men and women. Grew to 5.7 years in 2020 from 5.1 years in 2019. From the years 2000 to 2010, this disparity had narrowed to 4.8 years, but gradually increased from 2010 to 2019. The report says the decline in life expectancy between 2019 and 2020 can primarily be attributed to deaths from the pandemic. As COVID-19 deaths contributed to nearly three-fourths, or 74% of the decline, the United States remains the country with the largest number of confirmed cases of the COVID-19 in the world. Life expectancy also drops in United Kingdom, Russia, and many other countries due to the pandemic. COVID-19 also ruins livelihood of many people on the globe. By hitting the most vital means to their well-being, their jobs, and it seems the vulnerable sectors of the population have been hardest hit. According to a report by Asian Development Bank released in December 2021, young people and women in Southeast Asia bore the brunt of job losses during the pandemic. The report finds out that people at the age of 15 to 24. Who represent less than 15% of the workforce in Indonesia, the Philippines, Vietnam, and Thailand, accounted for as much as 45% of job losses at the height of the pandemic in 2020. In Thailand, women accounted for 60% of job losses, including 90% in manufacturing, in the second quarter of 2020. 
The pandemic also exacerbated growing inequalities between skilled and unskilled workers, hurting low-skilled workers as well as middle-skilled workers whose jobs face automation or being moved elsewhere. Informal workers, self-employed workers, temporary workers, and migrant workers were among the most vulnerable groups. Urban people have been affected more by the pandemic than rural communities because of population density in cities and their way of life. Those who live in urban areas don't have a backyard where they can grow their own rice paddies or keep their hens or hogs. But they need to go to grocery stores or supermarkets to buy food, ride on mass transport to go to work, and socialize with friends at restaurants or pubs. Restrictions of lockdowns and social distancing have disabled urbanized from doing their usual routines. Dezine, a world-renowned architecture magazine, has published an article on what life might become after the COVID-19. The online magazine said, people will prefer houses that have courtyard or backyard rather than apartment in high-rise buildings in avoiding contacts and using common facilities with other people. And more people will make their home as their office. Work from home will become more common for both employers and employees. Therefore, home will be equipped with better workplace facilities. Will this become new normal practice for city people? Unlock the Science editor and producer Sinfa Tansarawut talks to Associate Professor Dr. Apiwat Ratanawaraha from Department of Urban and Regional Planning, Faculty of Architecture, Chulalongkorn University, on his views on how our city living might become after COVID-19. Dr. Apiwat, I think is it fair to say that urban people have been more affected by the COVID-19 pandemic than those living in rural areas. In your views, which aspect of urban living have been most impacted? Um, I think um, we have to go back to why we are in the city in the first place. Um, proximity is one important aspect of urban living. Uh, we want to be close to other people in the city. Uh, we want to be close to um, amenities, um, some services. So the problem with COVID-19 is that uh, we can no longer uh, be close to people whom we like to be with and close to the activities that we want to have in our daily life. So um, I think the, the, the most impacted aspect of, um, of the situation um, because of COVID is, is this sort of personal and social proximity that, uh, that, that we require as we live in the city. And um, I think this has affected a lot of us, uh, not just in terms of how we conduct our daily life, but also our psychological um, well-being as well. So yeah, definitely um, the, uh, the proximity and as well as the well-being are definitely affected by COVID-19. How about social or physical distance? Do you think people will become more cautious in terms of mingling in you know, big crowds you know, or big gatherings? Well, I don't know. I, I think human beings, we are social animals, right? So um, already people are gathering in places, you know, bars and restaurants. So I think people will, will probably go back to the way we were uh, before COVID. 
uh, we desperately need that. As I mentioned earlier uh, about social proximity, uh, we, we will go back to the way we were. We may be a little bit more cautious here and there. Um, some uh, young people, especially children, may grow up you know, wearing the masks more often, and as well as uh, they may you know, wash their hands more often. Mm -hmm. But in terms of uh, mingling with our friends and family, I think we are uh, social animals after all. So I think we will go back to the way we were. Another Another uh, major change uh, during the pandemic is working from home. Do you think that more employer will allow the employee not to have to come to come into their offices? Yeah, I think that that will become uh, a major trend uh, after COVID. I mean, it's already the case, and it's already um, happening. It was happening even before COVID. Uh, in certain industries like finance and IT, uh, a lot of people had already been working from home or um, working from anywhere uh, for a long time. And yet uh, in Thailand, that trend was not, um, you know, well, was not catching up yet. But I think with COVID and now that everybody is pretty much working from home, uh, whoever, I mean, not everybody, but a lot of people can work from home. Uh, me, for example, uh, I can teach from home. So I think uh, the hybrid model of working both remotely and physically with other people uh, present, uh, I think that will be the trend. So I don't think we are going to go completely remote, uh, but we will uh, have more opportunities uh, to work remotely. And same thing with classrooms, uh, same thing with office works. Uh, and these trends, I think, will affect um, office, the way we think about office space, uh, quite a big deal. Uh, a lot of companies, uh, from what I've talked to, uh, to them, uh, apparently are not um, having people back uh, soon enough. Uh, you know, they're, they're, some companies actually allow their, uh, their workers to work remotely almost 100%. So I think there's definitely going to be some change um, even after COVID in terms of um, uh, working from home and remote working. And if home will become workplaces, as an expert in urban planning and policy, what do you think will be happening to all those new office buildings emerging in Bangkok and other cities in the world? It's definitely a very challenging uh, a trend and challenging phenomenon that we are facing now. Uh, we know that uh, Bangkok will have at least two or three million uh, square meters of office space coming uh, up in the, in the next few years. Um, and that's going to be really challenging for those um, operators and real estate developers because uh, they had the plan uh, to develop all these offices before COVID. And now a lot of people and a lot of companies realize that people can work from home or work remotely. Uh, so those office spaces uh, will have to be converted to something else or they will have to uh, change the functions of the office space so that um, you know, uh, the space will be accommodated somehow. But um, I, I, I personally still think that uh, we do need uh, space to meet other people. So even though we may not have the same kind of office space like we used to, uh, those office buildings will be occupied in one way or another. Now, the challenging part uh, would be uh, transportation. Uh, once people 
realize that they can work from home. Uh, they don't actually have to commute, you know, um, in the morning during rush hours uh, to to the office anymore. Uh, so that would be an interesting phenomenon to observe uh, how people will commute and how people will travel uh, because of this new uh, new normal of working remotely. That is Unlock the Science editor and producer Sinfa Tansarawood talks to Associate Professor Dr. Apiwat Ratanawaraha of Faculty of Architecture, Jualongkorn University. We will take a short break now. You are listening to Unlock the Science on Chula Radio Plus. Tourism is obviously the hardest hit industry in the world by the COVID-19 pandemic. World Tourism Organization of the United Nations has declared that the year 2020 was the worst year on record for tourism. Its statistics shows that the world lost about 1 billion international tourist arrivals in each of the year of 2020 and 2021 from the pre-pandemic number in 2019. In 2019, there were 1.46 billion international tourist arrivals or tourists with overnight stays. This number dropped to roughly 400 million in each of 2020 and 2021. The year 2021 saw only a slight recovery from the previous year. In Thailand, about 6.7 million foreigners visited the country in 2020. The number dropped to a meager 427,000 in 2021. Before the pandemic in 2019, almost 40 million foreigners visited Thailand, generating about 59 billion US dollars for the country. From these figures, it can say in 2021, Thailand almost didn't welcome any foreign visitors. It is very easy to imagine that any and all kinds of businesses related to tourism have been badly hurt, whether they are airlines, airports, hotels, shops, restaurants, and even massage parlors in case of Thailand. Associate Professor Dr. Apiwat Ratanawaraha from Department of Urban and Regional Planning, Faculty of Architecture, Jualongkorn University, has done a number of studies on tourism in Thailand. He shares with Unlock the Science editor and producer Sinfa Tansarawut on COVID-19's impact on tourism and what could be some of the strategies Thailand could adopt in the near future for this industry. Tourism has been hit hard by the COVID-19 pandemic. You have done quite a number of studies on tourism in Thailand. One of them is Thailand tourism strategy after the, ni- after the COVID-19. Would you mind sharing some of the key findings in this particular study to us? Yes. Um, so one key issue that uh, we were exploring in our research about the futures of tourism in Thailand is basically how, how much Thailand uh, will rely on tourism for its economic development. Uh, in the past 20 years or even more, uh, we have been really relying on tourism and it's, it's almost uh, tourism is the cash cow of Thailand, um, agriculture and um, you know, uh, manufacturing uh, were uh, the main industries for Thailand, but um, but lately uh, those uh, those uh, primary and sec- secondary industries were quite um, falling behind. 
so tourism became the cash cow and became the key industry for Thailand. Now with this COVID, uh, we know that we probably are relying too much on tourism, particularly tourism in the sense that uh, tourists have to come and visit Thailand for us to uh, to uh, to uh, to get income. Uh, to gain revenue. So the strategy uh, for the future would be first, how can we actually uh, diversify tourism related industries uh, without uh, relying too much on tourists visiting us? Meaning we should be able to diversify uh, the products that we sell to quote unquote tourists uh, without having them visiting Thailand. Now that sounds like mm -hmm. a, a strange thing to say, mm -hmm. But um, imagine, for example, a lot of people uh, love watching uh, football matches uh, of the Premier League in, in the UK uh, mm -hmm. without actually visiting the UK, right? Mm -hmm. So it means that the UK or England um, are able to sell their quote-unquote quote um, entertainment products uh, without us visiting England. Uh, that has not really been... Uh, part of the strategy uh, to diversify uh, the tourism industry in Thailand. We have been really relying too much on, uh, you know, like uh, um, tourists visiting us without diversifying the products. So um, one of the strategies that we propose to uh, the government is that uh, we need to be able to create uh, more linkages between, uh, you know, traditional tourism activities uh, and other, um, you know, activities that we can sell our uh, products. In, in your research, have you really um, talked about some concrete a product whereby Thailand can sell to foreigners without having them to physically alive in Thailand? Yeah, um, we identified a few, but one of them definitely is, is Thai food, right? Um, Thai food is, is, is known uh, throughout the world. Uh, you can go to, you know, uh, a, a small uh, town in Iceland, for example, and you'll find a Thai restaurant there. So Thai food uh, can be enjoyed uh, uh, without uh, visiting Thailand physically. So definitely we need to be able to, we, we should try to link uh, the supply chains of, you know, products uh, related to the food industry here uh, with tourism. I mean, for sure, I mean, you can enjoy, uh, you know, Thai food in Thai restaurants in a, lot, in a lot of places, a lot of cities around the world. But um, sometimes I wonder how much we've done in terms of branding. Uh, you know, uh, we might, we might, you know, have done uh, a little bit here and there in terms of branding. But have we, have, have, we could, I think uh, we could do more and we could even uh, not just being um, exporter of ingredients, but as part of our research, we identify one important aspect of, of this, which is standardization. Uh, Thailand should play a, a bigger role in terms of uh, international standardization of food products. Uh, and that will, that will help us being a leader, uh, not just in terms of, you know, like, Thai food is delicious, uh, but we are basically uh, setting up, establishing uh, industry standards uh, related to food. And that would be uh, one strategic 
uh, step that uh, the Thai government should do from now. Uh, so far, we basically just um, you know exporting, uh, maybe a little bit of doing branding here and there, but um, to go beyond that, um, definitely standardization. Do you think Thailand tourism industry has been prepared for coping with a global pandemic? Well, I don't think the world in general was not prepared, right? I mean, any industry was not prepared. I mean, even though, you know, uh, a lot of people had already warned us that this global pandemic could happen. You know, Bill Gates, I think, I don't know when he was, you know, uh, uh, saying that it will happen, right? So I, I don't think we, you know, the Thai uh, tourism industry was prepared at all. The thing about tourism uh, before COVID was that we really relied on China quite a lot, and you know now that we are uh, in the uh, I would say it's the third year of COVID, uh, we should know by now that we cannot rely on one single country, uh, you know, as a source of tourists uh, for our tourism industry. The interesting part would be. How would we um, how would we balance uh, you know that mass tourism coming from China uh, with people possibly uh, Chinese but a little more uh, well healed or you know uh, experienced um, tourist who prefers something a little more niche something more uh, personalized so. Our strategy for the future would really have to balance between uh, not just China, but I think between mass tourism and between personalized, um, you know, um, tourism experience. Uh, not not just about China. Now, China is definitely an interesting place, um, an important place for us uh, in terms of uh, tourism strategy, because China actually uses tourism. Or, or their tourists, almost like as a um, geopolitical tool. Uh, you know, China can actually say, "All right, we're not sending the tourists to your country unless you do this and that for mm-hmm. us." Right. So uh, we have to think of tourism not just a way to attract, um, uh, you know, uh, visitors, but we actually have to think of tourism as almost like a dip- um, diplomatic um, relation. Uh, so in our research, we actually uh, propose that uh, the Thai government has to think of tourism uh, in a sort of a bigger picture, in, uh, use it as part of the geopolitical um, sort of you know um, relation or tool. It is very likely that COVID-19 will not be the last pandemic that humanity will encounter, according to an article published in the medical science journal Nature Medicine. It has been found that there has been an increase in the emergence of new infectious diseases, as around 30 new diseases have been identified in recent decades. This is a result of the changes in human ecology, such as rural-to-urban migration, increasing long-distance mobility and trade, industrialization of food production, and environmental degradation. Including widespread forest clearance and climate change, which bring about more intensive people-to-people and people-to-animal interactions that increase the risk of pathogen transmission. 
Professor Dr. Thirawat Hematutha, Head of Thai Red Cross Emerging Infectious Diseases, Health Science Center, Chulalongkorn Hospital, said in an interview with Unlock the Science in our first season show in September 2021 that new emerging infectious diseases such as the coronavirus are waiting to come out and wreak havoc in the world. He said that around 50 to 80 percent of the pathogens found in patients in Thailand's hospitals are unknown to the medical science community. But doctors treat the patients in the way that should be likely, whether they are bacteria or viruses. So at present, we might have emerging infectious disease pathogens in human already, but we are not aware of them. Therefore, we shall be prepared for dealing with new emerging diseases. Many pathogens out there could be just awaiting to become the next global pandemic. Unlock the Science would like to thank Associate Professor Dr. Apiwat Ratanawaraha from Department of Urban and Regional Planning, Faculty of Architecture, Jalalongkorn University, for his thoughts on urban living and the tourism industry beyond the COVID-19 pandemic. Since this is the first new episode of our second season, I hope you will continue to support us throughout this new season. You can listen to Unlock the Science on July Radio Plus at FM 101.5 every Saturday from 1 p.m. to 1:30 p.m. You can also listen and follow us on our website curadio.jula.ac.th and our Facebook page. Our show is also accessible as podcasts, including on Apple and Spotify. See you again next Saturday. Have a nice day. Unlock the Science is edited and produced by Sinfa Tunsorawood. <laughs>